Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, after opposition and public outrage, the Liberals back down on a bill that would have given them sweeping spending powers. We will not allow a government to take advantage of the desperation of our population to amass new and unprecedented powers never before seen in our parliamentary system. Are we moving closer to the federal government invoking the Emergencies Act? The Prime Minister has been very clear that the Emergencies Act is a measure of last resort uh, that should be used only when all other tools have been exhausted. And the Prime Minister says nothing is off the table when it comes to making sure people follow social distancing guidelines. We've all seen the pictures online of people who seem to think they're invincible. Well, you're not. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. This is what we all need to be doing. And we're going to make sure this happens, whether by educating people more on the risks or by enforcing the rules, if that's needed. It's Tuesday, March 24th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning. I'm joined by Susan Delacourt, columnist for the Toronto Star. Susan, thank you for joining us today. Oh, happy to do it. So uh, the Liberals were going to introduce a bill that would have given them the power to spend money and raise taxes without the approval of Parliament all the way through to the end of 2021. And not surprisingly, there was some very strong reaction to that when the news broke yesterday. And now they've backed down and said they won't put that on the table today. We're not exactly sure what that means, but but clearly this, uh, to many people, was overstepping the mark. Yeah, it's, you know, everything in in uh, self-isolation land either works at rapid speed or very, very slowly. And this was one of the cases, I'm sure everybody is finding that at home right now, uh, this is one of the cases where that escalated really quickly. You know, at around 6 o'clock last night, um, I, I was looking, as I think several reporters were looking, because it, it was distributed at the draft bill. And um, by 9 or 10 at night, the Liberals had backed down from it. The The reaction was swift. You saw people like um, Alberta MP Kathy McLeod saying, I'm not supposed to be in Parliament tomorrow, but I will get on a plane and come to, to vote this down. So, um, yes, I, uh, I, I think that the 2021 deadline hit everybody two ways. First of all, it's just a massive power grab. But also, what is that date? What is a year and a half? Um, The biggest question in in this whole strange circumstance that we're going through right now is when will it be over or when will normal life return? And I think the 2021 date, the end of 2021 date, was striking not just for how much power of grab it was, but for the length of time that it felt like life was not normal here anymore. Yeah, that that would be the expectation of the government. I think some people were reacting, uh, thinking, well, what do they know that we don't know, right? Exactly. That are we really talking about Parliament not sitting for 18 months? Uh, So... Uh, Meanwhile, the Prime Minister, uh, there was a change in tone in his message and in the message of others yesterday about what people are doing right now. There there has been, it seems, some complacency that has set in, some some guard that has been let down. 
uh, among people. And the prime minister, in very strong words yesterday, said, enough is enough. Go home and stay home. Yeah, we saw this on the weekend. The first premier or politician I saw getting quite angry about this was Nova Scotia Premier Stephen McNeil. He was, uh, he, he came out and said, look, uh, people have got to stop doing this. You're not taking this seriously. And we saw that over and over and over again through the weekend. And the Prime Minister yesterday, you saw his inner school teacher coming out um, saying, enough is enough. Uh, go home and stay home, and uh, that was uh, that was quite sharp from him, which is is kind of unusual, and a marked difference from what we're seeing in the United States. I, I've been really struck by the ways in which the Canadian government and Justin Trudeau and the American government and Donald Trump are talking to the population about this. I think the the styles and what they're saying to people are widely diverging day by day and while you see trump saying look this is no big deal this is going to be over in 15 days etc you're seeing the canadian government getting more harsh and i i wrote about this saying it's the canadian government seems to believe that its role in this crisis is to provide people with the information it needs and whereas donald trump is providing people with the information they want even Mm. if it may not be true yeah, although at some point you you have to expect there will start to be some kind of debate uh, over how long this should go on, right? So that it, if people are playing ball uh, right now, and if the shutdown lasts a few weeks, uh, I think that people will by and large cope with that. But when it starts to stretch into months, if that's what happens, uh, there will be people saying enough is enough about that, right? I think I think we're going to see that debate unfold in the next couple of days, and I I think that is because Donald Trump has started it, or columnist, respected New York Times columnist uh, Thomas Friedman, uh, uh, started this on the weekend. Is uh, what is the balance between our economic health and our physical health, and are we really paying attention to both? I see a poll is out this morning too. Uh, from Leger saying that one in five Canadians think that the pandemic is blown out of proportion. So I I think that's what you're going to see. The government uh, is going to be at some uh, pains to explain. Governments of all kinds are going to be at pains to explain to Canadians, look, here's why we're doing this sacrifice. And I think as people see pictures of what's going on in Italy, uh, they will... Uh, they will be mindful of we, the fact that we don't want to be Italy in this. But we're also seeing um, that the crisis in China is abating. And people are going to be looking for signs of hope uh, very soon in this. For sure. And I, I, yeah. think, um, I, I think it's it's sort of desperately needed at home. I, uh, some of us were talking yesterday about how a sense of despair is is going to sink in, if not now, very soon. Let's talk about a couple of other things quickly. Uh, do you think the government is going to invoke at some point the Emergencies Act? I do not, um, and I may be wrong on that. I think the government is is hoping, and I'm not sure why it needs that, and I'm not sure it has the power to enforce an Emergencies Act when you've got um, all these other uh, things that it, that you know, is preoccupying public health officials. I just, 
I, I'm not sure that we need a national emergency when what we need is is the flexibility and the nimble uh, ability of, of police to decide or, or authorities to decide what's essential and what is not and who's going about their business. We're speaking of balance. We're in a very strange situation where we need a lot of people to be out there circulating around. Ontario's list of essential services is 74 items long, um, which, is, which is huge. Uh, so we need some people out there walking around and, and doing things to keep the economy going, to keep those of us who are at home um, fed and, uh, and, and entertained or occupied. And I, I'm just not sure what a national emergency would accomplish in that case. I could be wrong, but I, I, I think this is one of those cases where um, the, the, we're going to keep having to decide what's, uh, what's essential right. and what's not. Yeah. And also, um, I, I, I think that would add to a sense of panic in the population. When a senior government member was telling me last week, but one of the reasons they want to avoid panic is not just that they're worried about Canadians' mental health, which they are, but also panicked people run to hospitals. And we don't want the hospitals filled with a bunch of panicked people. They've got enough on their plate right now. So what we want is people not to panic, and emergency measures would do that too. And what about the Conservative leadership race? Aaron O'Toole and others are saying we should put off the vote. Peter McKay is saying we should have it sooner. Hard to ignore their own vested interests in those uh, (laughs) recommendations. Um, But what's going to happen with that? Because it it feels weird to even be talking about it right now. Yeah, that's an interesting debate. There had been a while there last week where it seemed that the Conservatives were just Sort of plowing ahead with this as though nothing was going on, sort of like what we're seeing in the United States too, where the Democratic, where the primaries were going on uh, until they were cancelled. Um, but um, I, I think there will probably be uh, some conservatives back in in Ottawa today. I take it they're talking on the phone every day and uh, and and gauging this day by day. I would suspect the vote is not going to take place as envisioned uh, by the end of June. I could be wrong, but as we're seeing, more and more things are getting cancelled farther and farther into the future, and it it would look kind of surreal for the Conservatives to be choosing a leader in the midst of this. Yeah. All right. Lots to contemplate. It's going to be an interesting day with Parliament, some members of Parliament gathering today uh, over this legislation. Susan, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us today. That's Susan Delacorte, columnist for the Toronto Star. Enough is enough. Go home and stay home. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. At cbc.ca, Aaron Query asks why some Canadians are ignoring social distancing rules when lives are at stake. Query writes, This situation is deadly serious, with the potential to affect the lives and welfare of each and every living Canadian. Canadians are being asked to act like responsible adults, to take responsibility for their own actions and their duty to each other as citizens. Until now, social distancing and self-isolation have been effectively voluntary. But the patience and faith of political leaders in this country seems to be dwindling, compared to the ways in which previous generations have been called on to serve Staying home seems like a very small burden. 
In the National Post, Justin Ling argues draconian measures may be necessary for the public good. Ling writes, Orders have varied by province, but the Emergencies Act gives Ottawa power to enforce emergency orders uniformly across the country. For the time being, it does seem that the provincial emergency declarations are enough, but if social isolation measures need to continue for weeks to come and people begin ignoring public health orders, the strain may exceed what the provinces can handle. At globalnews.ca, David Aiken argues it cannot be stressed enough how important the provinces are to this crisis response. Aiken writes, Every province has now proclaimed its own version of the Emergencies Act and now have arguably more sweeping powers than Ottawa does to respond to the crisis. The Federal Emergencies Act is confined to nine specific kinds of actions it can take, and all overlap or duplicate powers that have already been invoked by every province. In other words, there is no power in the Federal Emergencies Act that provinces do not already have. The federal government is not holding back any authority that premiers do not already possess. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. The House of Commons will sit in a special session to pass legislation to provide emergency economic aid to Canadians suffering financial losses because of the coronavirus crisis. CPAC's Martin Stringer has more on how things will unfold. Mark, this session is unlike any one ever held in the Canadian Parliament. After all, it comes in the midst of a health crisis caused by a contagious disease. And that's why the number of MPs converging on Parliament has been reduced to a minimum, just above the minimum required to sit in the House of Commons. The parties have also tried to rely on local MPs, trying to keep air travel to a minimum. Of the 32 MPs in the House chamber, there will be 14 Liberals, 11 Conservatives, 3 Blockies, 3 New Democrats and 1 Green MP, reflecting the party's overall standings in the House of Commons. The legislation has been seen by the parties who have agreed to it, with the exception of that controversial clause that they noticed, where the government is asking for authority to spend and raise taxes from now until December 31st of next year. The opposition said they cannot pass the bill if it contained that clause, and the government, in a late-night decision, has said it will remove that clause. The uh, whole presidings will be uh, presided over by the House Deputy Speaker, Bruce Stanton, and it will be done in a committee of the whole. Uh, Andrew Shear will be holding a press conference at 10.30 before the proceedings get underway at noon, and the entire uh, passage of the legislation is expected to be finished by 5 p.m. Eastern Time, and then the bill goes off to the Senate for another extraordinary session. Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will give his daily update on the coronavirus situation at 11.15 Eastern Time from Rideau Cottage. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Tuesday, March 24th. Tune in to CPAC throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus situation and a primetime politics tonight. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.